Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I'm Tim Tyrrell from Outer, and I'd like to welcome you all to this webinar, focusing on the new valuations role from the city of Johannesburg and how it pertains to potential rates adjustments that are or could be forthcoming. I see our number of attendees is growing. We're about to pass the 200 mark. We've got 850 odd registrations, so we're delighted with the support and thank you very much for taking an interest. Um, just a few um, housekeeping issues before we go. I'd like to contain feedback from the audience to comments in the chat. So if you wouldn't mind posting your questions in the chat, and we will make sure that we get back to you and give you some direct answers. Because of the numbers involved, it may be very difficult for us to open up a full general discussion. So we may need to be quite tight in terms of controlling that. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our panelists this morning or this afternoon. We have Marina Constas, who is the chairperson of the Better Bedford View Community Group in Ekuruleni, formerly in charge of an organization called RAG, which is the Residence Action Group, who were instrumental in a very successful challenge to the city of Ekuruleni on the, votes, the rates and valuation role in 2021. And Marina will be sharing her journey with us because it's very apposite in terms of the current valuation role from COJ, even though she is resident in a next door metro. Then we will be hearing from Marcus Borner. Marcus is the chairperson of the Craig Park Residents Association, and they're a very active and well-established community organization. They've been around since 1937, and they probably represent the ideal profile in terms of active citizenship among community members. And he will be sharing some insights with us about the need for active participation from citizens and the role that community groups should be playing in the interaction and the um, relationship with the city of Johannesburg for property owners. But before we get into the substance of the, of the session, um, why are we here? We're here to unpack um, some of the challenges facing residents of the city of Johannesburg regarding the recently published general valuation role. Um, this will be a surprise, perhaps even an unpleasant one for some. Um, and we are at pains now to assist where we can in order to be able to help citizens to challenge and to engage with the municipality in order to be able to um, adjust their property valuation and therefore the rates that follow to a fair and equitable level. Um, there are mechanisms in place, however restrictive they may be, and I believe Marcus will be touching on that topic when he addresses us a little later. We also will be hearing later in the program from Haley Ivans Downs, who is the head of digital at Lightstone. Lightstone do property valuations as their core business, and Haley will be sharing with us um, how they can assist as an independent valuer. I must point out that there are other people playing in this space. And uh, while Lightstone are very prominent in that field, they're not necessarily partners of Auto, although we're very grateful for the attention and the support that they have shown us for this webinar. Then before we get into the guest speakers, I'd like to introduce our CEO, Wayne Duvenage, who's probably very familiar to many of you. Wayne has been head of Auto since 2012 when it was established and has led the charge on a number of initiatives, many of which are very high profile particularly that of the eTolls project, which has just recently reached or is reaching a stage of finality with recent announcements earlier this week. And Wayne will give us a little bit of positioning of Outer's role 
in the citizen space, particularly as far as their relationship with their municipality is concerned, and a little more on how we can help in order to be able to adjust property rates to, as I said, a fair and equitable level. So without further ado, a few opening words, Wayne. Um, hi, yes, thanks, thanks, Tim. Thanks, uh, everybody, for, for joining this webinar. Um, I, I have to pop out straight after this, uh, and, and I'm going to leave you in the good hands of Tim will facilitate. But just in short, uh, look, you know, I, I don't have to tell you that that our cities are in decay and, and some faster than others. And the city of Joburg is, is, is no exception. Uh, from a service delivery point of view, we're getting less. And, and, and yet every year, the rates and tariffs go up um, and, and the various subsidies that are that are that are billed or the or the um, uh, the subcomponents of your total bill. If you watch, don't watch them closely. And and what we've got to do now is become active as citizens and start challenging. Every five years, this voter sorry, not this voter's role, this property valuation role comes out, and this is an opportunity for a city to to uh, seek. Um, quite extensive increases in their revenue. And this, this uh, we have no doubt, just looking at what we're seeing right now uh, in the property valuation role, that um, house prices uh, or house values are going up substantively uh, uh, on what you're currently being charged. And this impacts on your rates and taxes. Um, we're not doing this uh, uh, maliciously or vexatiously at all. What we're trying to do is empower citizens with their knowledge and understanding and their rights. And that's why Art is getting involved in this one. Uh, we did work with Marina and the team in last year's one, or 2021 with uh, with the Ekuruleni um, issue, and we saw the same thing unfolding there. Uh, and, and we'll be working soon on Cape Town's one, and we're gonna be doing this across the country. So it's very important that we just help you and assist and go through what is what actually is unfolding here, why you why should you care? I think it's important you shouldn't have to pay more than what you need to pay for rates and taxes. Um, and that you just do follow the due process. Uh, and then with regards to to Lightstone, we are, are uh, in, in, a, in a relationship with them on this matter because one thing for sure, is that this is quite an emotive topic when the when the uh, um, city shows a value of your property that's lower than what it is of course people tend to just keep quiet about it and uh, and they benefit from lower rates but when it's excessively high uh, obviously you have a right to to challenge that if you don't you you suffer the consequences of higher rates and there is a cutoff point and you can't go back so you've got a window of opportunity at the end of march this is this is very important that citizens now start to become far more active when it comes to holding government to account, one of them, and this is one that sits in your lap as, as citizens, uh, is the value of your property. If it's if it's excessively higher than what you believe it is, then we've put in mechanisms to say, well, here, go and get a report. That's not the be all and end all, because that report will help you deal with the emotional element of, okay, well, maybe this is a better accurate guide of what, our, what my value of the property is. If it's still excessive, then you need to go through the motions of challenging it. Active citizenry is what it's about if we're going to make sure that our country 
you know, is managed properly in our cities and towns. So I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks again for joining. And hopefully this exercise is going to get a lot of people to participate, get the feedback to the city. And the city, I think, is going to have to contend with. If it doesn't do this properly, it's going to have to contend with a lot of objections. And then depending on how that uh, 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 rolls out, depending on how that pans out, out will take a view as to what are the next steps that, that we must take as citizens, as a civil action movement, to protect our, our, our residents in, in cities like Joburg from the abuse of power. Thanks again, Tim. Thanks to the panelists, and uh, I wish you all the best in this webinar. Thank you for that, Wayne. Thank you very much indeed. I've just been looking at some of the questions which are already flowing in, so just if I may revert to housekeeping for a minute. Um, be assured that the session is being recorded, so anything that we discuss will be available to you after the session. We'll be emailing everybody who has registered um, with a copy of the or link to a copy of the of the session. The other thing that was asked just quickly, and this is something to look forward to later in the in the hour, and that is we will indeed be walking you through a process which you can follow in order to be able to lodge an objection. It's very important that you as citizens and as ratepayers take that power into your hands and we'll show you exactly how to do that. But we'll hear from our speakers first. So to hear about the Ekuruleni experience and RAG's successes in, that's the Residence Action Group of Ekuruleni in 2021, it's over to you, Marina. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne, and, and to Arta. Um, it's so heartening that Art is getting involved in this fight and, as uh, Wayne said, assisted us tremendously in our fight uh, with, with the Kuruleni a um, couple of years ago. Uh, I must say that it is so important for communities to get together and to stand together. And this rates challenge for Kuruleni was one way of uniting certainly Bedford View residents. I was the uh, chairperson of RAG which was actually a security group um, in Bedford View called the Residence Action Group. And when the, the, the valuation role came to my attention, um, I'm an attorney in private practice, I decided that RAG needed to get on board with this because we already had an infrastructure of community involvement. So we actually, before the, the valuation role was published, we went through to the MNC for Finance at Kuruleni. We sat down with him and we pointed out uh, that we were exceptionally concerned about the ludicrous uh, ludicrous values that were placed on certain properties, particularly here in Bedford View. Uh, we had increases of up to 2,415% um, in rates on certain homes in our area. And quite frankly, I thought it was an error, I thought it was a mistake, perhaps it was a computer glitch and I needed to look at it. And we offered to them one of the options from a legal perspective, was to put, postpone the valuation role until such time as um, they sorted sorted out things. Well, that wasn't meant to be because at the end of the day, they were fully aware of the situation and still went on ahead uh, regardless. I think certainly money was needed at, at council and they decided that they would uh, deal with everything uh, later on a more reactive basis. So the valuation role was published and it, it caused absolute chaos and havoc here in Ekuruleni. It affected not only um, the privileged property owner in Bedford View, it affected owners in, um, in Forster Riss, uh, Chris Harney um, area, it, it affected across the board everybody. I must point out that we did obtain the services of, um, of an investigator, forensic investigator, 
to actually look into our value uh, valuation role and to analyze it because before we decided to rush off to court or to do anything about it, we needed to get the facts right. You can't just say, well, our homes have gone up. You know, Kurilemi is a huge, huge um, uh, metro. It's not just a little area that it consists of, 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 of hundreds of towns and we needed to have um, all our facts straight again. So. When we did that, it took a long time. In the meantime, we were working with a city manager. I think that's very important to note. Work with the people at council. A lot of them were just as gobsmacked as us. And what was really apparent, and we felt sorry for the guys on the ground because they were dealing with this onslaught of anger from residents, not really the managers and that at the top. But we did engage with them. We created a paper trail, so we did engage the services of an attorney who deals with council matters, and we, we took it from the beginning. We asked them for all the documentation. We put in a, um, a PIA application, which was a promotion of access to information Act manual to understand exactly what they were doing. Um, but of course, you know, we had to be patient because we didn't get answers that quickly, but we, nevertheless, um, we decided to persist. We have managed to obtain deadlines and extensions for objections because the circumstances conspired uh, such that so many people didn't actually receive notification of the rate increase. You have to receive that notification by registered post. There were a lot of notifications that were found um, out in a felt somewhere near Boxburg that hadn't been uh, given to us. So that's really um, important to note. So many people didn't object initially because they weren't informed. But those people that, um, that did object, uh, they had to go in to council. And that, remember, was during the height of COVID for us. So we were constantly fighting again because it was, you know, it was a time when you didn't want to expose yourself and, and stand in queues at council. And we were with our residents at every step of the way, which is, is, is again, something that needs to be kept in mind. So we had to decide on what the strategy was. And you, you need to be very careful. I've, I've seen a question there about rates, boycotts, and, and all that. If you think it through very carefully, these things are, it's almost from a legal perspective, and this is my opinion, I don't know that it's a view of outside the stage, but rates, boycotts are very difficult from a legal point of view. They are illegal, in fact. And unless you've got a backup plan, you're, you don't want to necessarily derail an entire council because then who's going to take up the flak? Who's going to do the work? Who's going to, you know, it's all you well say, boy, boycott, but then what? Then you're going to get disconnected. Then what? Then you phone attorneys every minute of the day saying, oh, I'm disconnected. What are you going to do? These things take time and money. So from a strategy point of view, we decided that we were just going to help people through things and, and, and try to keep at bay the most unfair and unjust practices. So I thought we were pretty successful in doing that because the council were ready to charge the increased rates because once it's been published by Government Gazette, it goes onto your account, your increased rates value, and you need to start paying. Otherwise, you're going to get disconnected. So we liaised with council and we managed through all the pressure and Alta were brilliant. I mean, I went together with a couple of the guys from Alta. We had signs up at council. We were we became protesters. And I think uh, we need to become less apathetic and go out and protest and make a very big noise about this because it's really, uh, I mean, it's despicable to, to me the way we've been treated. So we decided that we weren't going to pay that extra amount. None of our residents could afford to pay that extra amount on the evaluation bill. So we arranged with council 
that they were going to, we could put 8% increase on. So it was an 8% increase. And I know Evelyn actually mentioned is 8% reasonable. We thought it was. So we said, look, we, we prepared to up by 8%, but um, at the end of the day, we, we're not paying a cent more until our objection has been heard or until our appeal has been heard. Because remember, your objection comes first, and then obviously your appeal will be later. You'll hear all about that. So they agreed to that. And that was really one of our biggest successes. And we saved people thousands of rand. So even though your bill is increasing, and it's quite scary for our residents to see your bill going up, the council said, just go to the council, flag your account every three months, um, and we'll, we'll make sure we don't disconnect you. Because that's really, at the end of the day, the power they have over us, the councils. They'll disconnect. And then it's a whole schlep and drama to get reconnected. So that's really where we worked. And what we also did is we, um, most of our appeals are being heard now. Bear in mind that 2021, February, was when Ekurileni rates got published. So it's a long wait to go all the way to appeal. Many people, my objection was heard and my objection was fine. I got what I needed to get, but many people's objections were denied. So they're now at appeal stage. So most of the appeals are being heard right now as we speak. And I can tell you that the appeals board is a, is a rational crowd of people who are getting things right. I mean, all this at the end of the day was occasioned by um, the wrong people doing valuation, doing the valuations. Um, the valuations were absolutely 100% legally defective. And um, we, were, we, were, we were in the process of getting investigative journalists in to actually assess the situation because uh, really it was it was actually a, um, a complete disgrace the way that valuation role was undertaken. So yeah, so in Akirulini, we're still helping people. We're trying to push them to the right people to get the appeals done. Um, and I think we it, it worked well, but we had to had to get together with uh, with the community and do that. So yeah, that's what we that's what we undertook in in Akirulini. We also managed to get them to agree to do appeals in bulk. So that we don't waste our time with one appeal and one appeal and one. They needed to get hear everybody um, at the same time in many instances and get going with it. We also, I went to see the, the mayor, uh, Tanya Campbell. I sat with her and I said, look, what if I want to sell my property now? What happens? I mean, I might have a clearance. I can't sell without a clearance certificate. So um, if my race and taxes bill is 100,000 Rand by the time I get heard at an appeal, what do we do then? And there was a certain um, ad hoc situations that were dealt with by council to ensure that people could transfer their properties. So again, it's just working with council all the way um, and, and working with outer and working with teams that can make things happen at council, which I'm sure you'll hear about later. Tim, I don't know, is there anything else that you'd like me to say? I'm not sure what no, your that's, that's wonderful. Thank you, Marina. Um, I, I, I commend you. I, I have to say it is for us as outer who play in this space a great deal, as many of you know, this is an absolutely fabulous example of active citizenship at work. This is people expressing themselves through the correct channels, and I might add, in a constructive way. Getting adversarial and boxing and simply attacking is often a very unproductive route to follow, however high your anger and your indignation levels may be. So we would strongly urge you, if you do choose to engage, to do so in as positive a way as you can, 
to seek solutions rather than to place blame. Um, but a little more about that later. Thank you very much for sharing that with us, Marina. I'm sure you'll be having quite a couple of our delegates um, wanting to get in touch with you to learn a bit more detail. So onward and upward. Next up is Marcus Borner. Marcus is chairperson of the Craig Park Residents Association. We have had increasing dealings with them of late. Um, they are very much involved in the uptake of our Community Action Network platform, which is a mechanism or a framework within which organizations can organize themselves properly, keep very close tabs with their membership, raise funds, have access to information. We'll talk more about that with all of you in due course, but that's not really the primary purpose of this webinar. Marcus has some very interesting insights to share about how he within his organization and indeed in association with a wider cluster of northern suburbs community organizations um, are seeking to mobilize support and to activate those citizens and now the evaluation rule having just been published um, with an intense focus on that particular issue and how it will affect their rates so marcus please share your experiences with us um, thank you, Tim, and, and thanks to the ASA team, and, and thanks, Marina, for, for your insights as well. Um, from, an, from an overall uh, um, residence association, you know, we, are, we are all called residence associations. We have really become de facto ratepayers uh, associations because essentially it's a large part of our expenditure um, in terms of what we pay the council and what we pay for the services that we get. I don't think I need to remind anyone, you know, that we are seeing decreasing levels of service. You know, we have we have potholes, we have uh, dongers, we have non-working streetlights. I returned from a meeting in um, Santon this morning along William Nickel. Um, you know, William Nickel, one of our major thoroughfares, signature roads in in in, in Johannesburg. We seem as a council to spend more time potentially on renaming the road than fixing the streetlights in there. They have been stripped of the of the copper wires. They have been stripped of the light bulbs etc etc and i mean that is in the supposed premier heartland of johannesburg in which you know if if i were on the council and i were on the mayor i would i would not be proud of that to to call that my neighborhood okay so from an overall residence and and ratepayers association what i did this morning you know as as uh, uh, marina uh, marina is an attorney you know I'm a, I'm a finance guy i'm an accountant i look at numbers i do capital and fundraising and i look at this effort from this, uh, from the city of Johannesburg or any any um, you know metro, that as we talk about, it's really a fundraising exercise. That's really what they're doing, because they need to pay the expenses, and the expenses should be met in terms of providing services to us as ratepayers and residents. Now, from a personal perspective and from a from a community perspective, we we have seen a wide array of proposed uh, increases in terms of the rateable value of properties. Um, I see things on the chat there, you know, from from 8%, uh, I heard last night some of my um, neighbours actually got a decrease, you know, those are the guys who are keeping quiet. Um, in my personal example, you know, my my rates on the assessed values would go up by 36%, that's a thousand rand a month, that's 60,000 rand over over five years. So that's what I'm faced with and that's, that's what a lot of residents are faced with and the numbers, you know, Marina mentioned 100,000. People are faced with varying levels of um, potential increased rates. Uh, Tim has gone through the process. It's a very emotional process, especially when you're not getting what you paid for and you don't have a choice of service providers. But we have to be rational and um, reasonable in terms of that. 
I also believe, you know, as in, as in my personal professional life, you, you have to understand your counterparty. This is not the Chinese art of war. This is understanding your financial counterparty. I had a look at the City of Joburg published accounts um, on the City of Joburg website this morning. And if you go back to the last rates increase five years ago, it resulted in an increase of total rates revenue for the City of Joburg from 9 billion to 12 billion. Okay, that's 36%. That's what happened in the past. That's an important data point. We're talking here about a property valuation across the City of Joburg um, of 12% uh, mooted a month or two ago. It's, it'll be interesting to see if we add up all the percentage on, the, on this chat, do we end up with 12% or more? The other thing is we're talking to you as residents here, as residents associations. Of the current 12 billion, which has grown to 13 billion, we as residents pay about 40%, businesses pay about 60%. So that's the split of the number. What's interesting to note as well is that rates revenue uh, for the city of Joburg revenue is around 20%. It, con it contributes 20, 21% of the last published number in uh, 2021 of the total revenue collected. So if we have a rates boycott, they can't spend 21% of their, their, their revenue and services break. We've already spoken about that, but that's it, in, that's it in terms of numbers. Other interesting numbers is, well, you know, how do, how do the city of Joburg spend the money that we give them? You know, whether it's 3,000 or 4,000 Rand a month, 60,000 Rand more or less. Employee-related costs are the biggest expense in the city of Joburg after the payment to Eskom and Rand Water for, um, for electricity and, and water. And those have grown considerably. And I mean, I think that's an interesting observation. If you look at the city of Joburg accounts, that during COVID, Marina's already spoken about the COVID period, um, in the year ended June 2018, the city of Joburg spent 10.7 billion on employee-related costs. In the year ended the uh, 30th of um, June 2021, three years later, that's 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 grown by almost 5 billion or 43%. So the city of Joburg's annual remuneration bill went up by twice the rate of inflation. We have to question that. You know, is is that reasonable? Um, and on the face of it, it doesn't seem so. You know, I don't think many of us who work privately or in corporate receive those sort of increases. You know, so that's a that's that's a, another driver for the increased funding. Another another driver is rates collection. So we all know about rates collection. We know about COVID. We know there were there were rate rebates. There were um, rate deferrals. But what actually happened during COVID in the city of Joburg accounts is that the um, non-collection of rates and the non-collection of revenue, this includes electricity, rates, sewage, water, and all of that, went from a number of three and a half billion a year to double to nine billion, sorry, to double to seven billion. So that's a big number. That takes a big chunk out of the income of the city of Joburg. Why those numbers are important is that employee costs have risen from about 24% of revenue to 27% of revenue, doubling at twice the inflation rate. And that's a factual observation. Um, the money that the city of Joburg has not collected, that they've charged for, has risen from 3.5 billion to 7 billion, or 7% of revenue to 11% of revenue. I think those of us who are in business would not survive, you know, if you do not collect 11% of your revenue, whether, whether you're a law firm, whether you're a private consultant like myself, or whether you're a large business. So that's not a financially sustainable result. Getting back to the matter at hand, so how are the city of Joburg 
collecting these rates. Electricity, Wayne's already spoken about, water, those go up annually, and we know about that. Very, very hard to bear. We're faced with an 18.6% electricity hike and water and rates. Water, I'm not sure yet. But rates, you know, we are looking at varying increases. In, in my example, 36%. In some examples, 0%. In some examples, you know, 100% plus, 150% plus. So that's the financial number, but it's also an emotional number because it hits your back pocket. The process um, that out have been engaged in and are engaging in, and I didn't realize the extent of it in Ekurileni, but I think it's brilliant that you did that, and let's see how it turns out in this space, Tim, um, is to remain factual, objective, and in terms of your valuation, um, what does it mean for you? You know, on a on a on a lighter note, during the last process, um, I did correspond with the city and and asked them if they were if they were, if they were prepared to buy my house at their valuation, but I didn't receive a response. Um, I would I would <laughs> I would do the same again on on uh, on this one, but that's not a practical situation. You, we we are faced with you know real financial pressure. We are faced with on the face of it um, unreasonable valuations, which can drive the um, additional financial pressure you know a thousand rand a month may be doable for someone working for themselves but after all you know it is sixty thousand rand over five years you know on a, on a valuation that i would sell my house for yesterday and so i will i will be objecting how do we do it tim and the team will elaborate in terms of how the overall process is what are we doing in our residence association you know there there are rates consultants um who deal with this sort of stuff we're we're busy uh finalizing a proposal in 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 terms of what the rate consultant can do to run the process for you uh, marina mentioned you know people going into the council you know i certainly wouldn't have time to go into the council and have a discussion around my you know seven to eight page rates objection to go through every detail you know i will i will be quite prepared to pay that percentage as a fraction um of what i could potentially be be uh, charged with I will I will do that you know on a personal basis because I believe my rates valuation is unreasonable based on I've, I had a look at my Lightstone report yesterday I, I looked at my previous valuation I know what houses are going for in the area so I I, I believe that I'm un, being unfairly treated you know if I was going into this process with a valuation that was called fifty percent below the market value and they increased that by hundred percent to be at the market value I wouldn't be doing this so I think it's a personal decision. Um, Hopefully, the context of you know where the city is in terms of the rates, um, we we can all look at look at the um, the uh, streetlights in William Nickel. We can look at the potholes in our area. Those are those are things that we are paying for that we are not getting. Um, I'm proposing looking at the financial statements of the city. You know, as a financial guy, I wouldn't run a business like that. Um, I know it's a tough job to run the city. It's not easy. If you look at the financial report, the different services. Everything from providing, um, you know, running water and sewage in the in the in the um, in the less privileged areas that needs to be paid for. But you know, if you manage to operate, you know, on a situation where your employee costs were two thirds of what they were three years ago, why can't you operate like that now? Why do we need the rates increase? And we will use the process, and we will work within the process to make sure that we get a fair, just, and equitable. Um, outcome based on uh, using the resources at, at our disposal. So Tim, I'll, I'll, I'll end off there and come back for any questions as needed. Thank you. And thanks again for what you guys do. Thank you kindly, Marcus, and generous words. We're very grateful.
Um, and also may I commend you as an active citizen for what you're doing in Craig Park and by extension with the associated community organizations that you connect with. Um, we will touch on this when we get to a more general discussion and Q&A &A later, but I'm just looking at some of the questions that are coming through on the chat. And I'm seeing some fairly scary numbers, 127%, 25%, 65%, 16%, 119%, 110%. And I can sense the indignation coming through. So I'm hoping that what I have to tell you just in the next few minutes might help you in that space. Um, it's important to know what you can do. I think it has to be said, and Marcus will bear me out, um, there are very limited options. A 45-day window from the date of publication is not really enough. We would think 90 would be reasonable, um, but that's the way the system operates at the moment. And I suppose there might be those who are saying that because it is so tight and because it is so restricted, the, the city is basically holding its ratepayers to ransom. I think that's a debatable point, um, but there's certainly one which has a very good motivation for that. So I'm just going to share a screen with you, and I'm going to spend a, a moment or two just telling you um, what can be done in terms of um, processes that you can follow in order to be able to lodge objections should those become necessary. And like Marcus said, it's entirely a personal decision. Um, you will will gauge from what you see and what you get in terms of your current valuation, what you deem to be reasonable. Um, so that decision is entirely a personal one. So my suggestion is have a look, make sure that you compare what comes up on your um, consolidated bill with your new valuation um, and take it from there. So I'm going to take you right through the whole process. And this comes through our website. So if you get onto a browser, um, dial in outer, Check out Outer's homepage. I'm trusting everybody can see my screen. Um, if you get onto the Outer website, you will see that there's a tab which says Projects, where my cursor is now. Press on that. Then if you scroll down slightly, you'll see there's a window which says Special Projects. And in there, you'll see a block that says Details. Click on that. And the first project that comes up is the City of Joburg Valuation Roll. So if you go to that project, you should see um, a series of steps. There's an introduction there at the beginning with a header paragraph. And then where I am now, you'll see there's a stepwise approach to what you as citizens and ratepayers and property owners can do in order to be able to engage with the municipality and challenge. So first step, find your property on the valuation roll and check its new valuation by checking here. Let's go to that and it should give you, um, there it is, the City of Johannesburg objection process and an introduction to what can be done. So I have a, um, a mock or shadow property to be able to take you through the process. If you go to the block which says searched property, um, you are invited there to um, inject or to insert your details. And I'm going to take a property which is part of a complex in Athol Gardens. And the address is, and I'll just type it in for you, 118 Dennis Road. Sorry. And there's not a stand number, not necessary, but if you look in there, you should get a menu which allows me to take you to a place called Malaga. Some will call it Malaga. Let me just get there quickly. Forgive me for a moment. Um, Malaga, there it is. 
Okay, and in this case, the unit number is 54. So search. And that should give you a list of all of those um, properties in that complex. Let me just scroll slightly to the right so you can see the detail. Um, your unit number is on the right-hand side, and we're looking for unit number 54, which is on tab number six. There is 54. There is the current value of that unit, 1.457 million, and that is your starting point. So from there, um, you go back to There we are, we're back in the outer menu. So there is the stepwise process that you follow. So once you've got that value, you compare your new value with the current value on your latest, latest consolidated bill, the, the City of Joburg invoice. Step three, if the new value has significantly increased, you can object to it to potentially get a reduced value. Like we said, it's entirely your decision. Much of it is emotive, I su suspect. Um, there's a question that's come up on the chat about what is a reasonable increase, and I'm going to put that to the experts um, in a moment or two. But let's just continue with the process. If you think the new value is fair, you don't need to do anything. Lucky you. In some cases, property values will go down, in which case you should be expecting a decrease in the rates that you pay. Then step five, if you would like Outer to direct you to obtain a property value indication report for your property, click there. It'll take you to this page. Um, which will then allow you to log your details. You post it to us and we will assist you to get um, what you require as far as those valuations are concerned. So, um, sorry, just let me go back to the stepwise process. Then to lodge a formal objection with the city of Johannesburg, click here, sorry. There you're back to the same page, and there you search your property and go through a similar process. Um, and finally, a guide to logging an objection, which is also provided by the COJ, is on that final step. And this is an outtake from the city of Johannesburg, and it will give you some information which is useful. Um, please make use of it. And there are a number of screens and slides um, which will take you through. You might have to log a profile. So it's not a particularly cumbersome process. And I would strongly urge you, if you feel that you have a case, um, then please embark on that. Again, it's your choice. So I now would like to call on one of our newly um, connected panelists, and it is Haley Ivans-Downs, who is the head of digital um, at Lightstone, who will be able to tell you a little more about what can be done in order to secure an independent valuation, which may be necessary in order to juxtapose that against the valuation which has been offered to you by the municipality. So without further ado, Haley, over to you. Great, and thank you, Tim. And thank you to Wayne from Outer for this opportunity. Um, I think it's really an emotive cause, and I think it's really important where there is a case to be lodged that it is done so. 
Uh, just from a Lightstone perspective, so just a quick whip around Lightstone. So Lightstone has been around for about 16 years. We developed a valuation model that is currently used within the banks for granting of, of bonds um, and for various other reasons and ways and means. We've actually been providing valuation reports to customers for about 14, 15 years as well, um, where you can actually get a valuation report. I think the important aspect here is to understand a valuation model obviously comes with an accuracy estimate. Um, and it's important to know what that estimate is actually saying about your property. I also noticed a couple of questions asking around in South Africa, the legal kind of ambit around valuations. So in South Africa, uh, valuation is deemed legal through a physical valuer. But for this process, if you can get a valuation through a Lightstone, through any state agent, somebody that will give you a, a view in terms of what your market value on your property is, you can certainly put it in your portfolio of evidence to prove that the valuation that the municipality has supplied is not accurate or correct. So I think it becomes really important to build that portfolio of evidence that you're going to be submitting. So obviously, from a Lightstone perspective, we have valuation reports for properties, and it's national, it's across the country. So you can basically come in through a link through Outer to come and pull your report so that it gives you a view in terms of what that actual valuation is saying. I think the other important aspect, just to touch on it, I spoke around accuracy estimate. Now, bearing in mind with a model, we generally look at above 70%, you've got a really good estimate in terms of your property. And below that, it's really up to you to kind of pull the report should you want to. The other aspect is also it gives comparables and you can get that through a property report. Remember, when you're building your portfolio of evidence to show that your valuation on your property is incorrect, it's important to also flag comparable transactions that have happened around you in your surrounding neighborhood that you can kind of say, look, you know, this property is similar size, similar you know, ambit, and this is what it's sold for, it's really just not, it's not correct. So I think it's part of your portfolio to, to get that information in. So once again, just to reiterate, there are companies out there that assist in terms of the rates, and I think Tim touched on that. Um, and I think also just to be aware from, there's numerous ways that you can get evaluation um, from evaluation company, Lightstone, your locally state agent, um, somebody that has a level of knowledge around valuing a property. So I think just from my side, Tim, hopefully that's covered everything that's needed. Excellent, Lady. Thank you very much. And uh, it's nice to know that there are those who are active and, and willing in this space. Um, it's very important to get a third party comparison if you're going to make a case. So there are, as I said, I'm sure several vendors who provide this service. I think some of the estate agents also have rate specialists on their staff who can guide you in this process. But this is Lightstone's core business and we value your support. Thank you, Haley. Great, thank you. All right, so there are a number of questions which have been posted and I see we're, with, we're quite comfortably on time. Um, I'd like to throw out a question to our experts and uh, yeah, I'll call you in an order, but. Wayne has just brought up an interesting point, and that is it's not necessarily so much a question of the increase in your value. It's a question of what is your value against current market positioning. So perhaps you'd like to address that question off the bat, Wayne, and I'd like the others to contribute as well. 
Yeah, um, thanks, Tim. So, so it does get quite emotive, uh, and and lots of things affect your value. First of all, the initial value that the that the um, city is currently billing at <clears throat> might be lower than what it should be. Um, things change in, the, in in a number of years in your areas. Values go down and values go up. I think what what Haley is saying is that you need to you need to check that uh, valuation role and and then compare that to what you believe. And the Lightstone report will help you with that. What do you believe is the market-related value of your property? And if that is in line, well, there's nothing really you can do. You can try and, and argue it down, uh, but but I'm not sure how far that will get you. But if it if the if the if, if, for instance, if the growth in your in your um in the valuation role of, uh, to the current role is let's say 80 percent. But the actual realizable value from a from a report or from sales around you or from an evaluator is is only forty percent. Then that's a forty percent difference as well. It's a it's, it's it's a halfway difference, and you need to challenge that. Otherwise, you'll be paying more. So it's really about what do you believe, and then how do you substantiate your belief on the value of your property, and what is that compared to the new uh, general valuation role that the city of Joburg, as Tim showed you, um, you can go and find that there. It's that gap. That you're going to challenge if it's too big challenge it if it's close to that there's no real need to challenge it you're probably not going to be able to i think i just wanted to highlight that so people are saying well i've got a hundred percent increase or maybe maybe the hundred percent is correct because you were underbuilt before or there was too low before or something has happened in your area like a, a new development that's pushed shot the value through the through the roof just bear that in mind thanks thanks Dwayne. Haley, this is your bread and butter. Anything to add? No, that's exactly what Wayne is saying. And I think, you know, bearing in mind that the municipalities do this over a four to five year period, you know, growth in your market value of your property really differs by areas. So, you know, we may see an increase on the municipal role by a certain percentage, but in actual fact, your property is also grown in value. And it's important to understand that gap very much before you start the dispute process. And um, it's not necessarily from what it was four years ago on the municipal role to what it is now. It's really around understanding the valuation of your property now. And that's what you're actually comparing. Which I guess highlights the need or, or kind of spotlights the need to be able to get those opinions from a professional, from somebody who knows the area and who knows the territory. Definitely. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Marina? Thank you, Tim. You know, when we looked at their Corellini valuations. The valuations had effectively been undertaken in July 2020. That's when they started it and when they were looking and actually taking all the values from everywhere. At that point, I mean, we were we, were, we had just finished that five-week lockdown period, literally, during COVID. And together with Lightstone and a couple of other role players, we, we, we were of the view that properties at that point were actually down by 40 percent that is how high the when they did that valuation we were down by 40 percent so all of a sudden we had these 1000 2000 percent increases so it's really at the time the valuation was undertaken that you have to look at the circumstances and um also i think that the main thing is that once you value it's got nothing to do with square meterage it's got nothing to do with how big my house is and how stunning my house is it's a realize, real, realizable and i like that word wayne realizable 
um, value that you're going to achieve. So it's all about market conditions. And um, you might have exactly the same house in exactly the same street, but maybe your house borders onto a townhouse complex of 120 units. You know, they all are, are separate um, circumstances to take into account. And that's certainly what I've seen the appeals board take into account now. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Marcus, any views? No, I think just to reiterate what's what's been said uh, before, um, it's got to be realistic. It's 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 got to be reasonable, and I think uh, um, Marina used the word realizable. Yeah? That's that's what it has to be based on the circumstances. Yeah. In that, um, I, I think, think if you look at the process and the numbers that have come through, it's it's sometimes not clear that those considerations have been taken into account in reaching the value. And if they haven't, we need to object. Yeah, I, I think what's coming through for me here, and thank you for that, um, is that there is a need, in spite of the emotive component, for players and property owners to be as objective as they possibly can, which is why external advice becomes so important here. Um, because it's terribly easy to become frivolous and perhaps even vexatious in terms of your challenge and engagement with the COJ, and that's really not going to get you anywhere. Um, and, and there is a, a very strong case to be made for taking a constructive and a, a an objective view um, as a citizen. This is not just about bashing the city, and um, this is about working with them in order to arrive, to arrive at an equitable outcome. All right, good, thank you. So there's another question which uh, might add a slightly lighter tone to the conversation, but I think it has some substance in spite of it being somewhat cheeky. And this comes from Marius Crowcump, and he says, can fraud charges be laid against the COJ, whereas, Due to the fact that superinflated values are a misrepresentation and therefore have been done ostensibly for financial gain. And that's perhaps a legal challenge or a legal question. Marina, would you like to take that? It's a very cheeky question. It really is. But, uh, you know, I could go one of two ways, but I'll keep on the straight and narrow way and don't worry. So ultimately, I think that um, if you're going to try and go, uh, you know, lay charges of fraud, etc., you've got to have evidence um, that there was a, a blatant um, sort of premeditated kind of uh, approach to this valuation role. Um, my view is that, no, I don't think you could uh, take the, um, the, the, the city on or any members or officials of the city on for fraud. What I can say to you, and I must say it, because it needs to be said insofar as we can be as polite as we like, the way that this valuation, these valuation roles are being put together is a complete disgrace. It's a complete disgrace. And the fact that we are trying to work with council and that we're moving forward to try and ameliorate the situation, um, we should not, we should, we, should, we shouldn't let um, anybody off with, uh, with, with, you know, just being being too polite and nice about it. At the end of the day, it's an, it's been for Kuruleni residents the stress, the loss of sleep, the time, the money, the loss of revenue when we all had to go out to the council to stand in queues unforgivable unforgivable seriously so i think you need to paint it in that context and now we need to work within that kind of uh, structure okay excellent thank you very much has anyone else got any comments on that all right there's a question from fleur morris welcome fleur do we know if the actual rate will change or has it been published the proposed 
valuation changes have been published in terms of the GVR or the general valuation rule, which has just been released this February. The only time it will become substantive is from the 31st of March. And I presume, Marina, you can guide us here from a legal point of view, unless there is an appeal or an objection in process, in which case it would be suspended or the outcome would at least be retroactive because I don't think it gives you relief in terms of any increase in the immediate short term. So 31st of March is your deadline. Um, we're on the 22nd of February right now. So it gives us what, 40 odd days um, in order to, to get this all done. 45 days was the initial window. It's too short. I think that's common cause, um, but unfortunately that's how it is. So my suggestion, and certainly I would suggest that the opinion of the panel is that we urge citizens to get their affairs in order. And if you do intend taking this up, do it sooner rather than later. All right, so any closing remarks? Haley, let me begin with you. No, just to say thank you very much, Tim. I, um, I think it's worthwhile that everybody goes and does some homework. Um, and it's important that you try and get the information to support your kind of push into COJ should your valuation prove to be not in line with what has been published. Um, and obviously, from a lifetime perspective, we can certainly assist from a data model perspective and give you a view in terms of what that is actually looking like from evaluation. Excellent. Thank you. Marcus? Um, just to reiterate again, you know, we have less time than we need. We have less time than we want. Um, let's not leave it. You need to, everyone needs to do their stuff. Uh, follow the process. Thanks, Arthur, for putting that process together. Um, I have had a look at, you know, various legal firms, you know, publications in that in that space. You know, there's there's a lot of information out there. I think let's uh, focus on one, follow the process. Um, you guys are there. Thank you for doing that. We we have the experience in Equilini. Thank you, Marina, to you and your team for doing that. Hopefully it gets easier the more we do it. And um, the Citizens Active Network and the Community Active Network, you know, which we are subscribed to as a residence association and we are on onboarding, that is a good thing. Um, Arthur, uh, Wayne, you and, you, you and your team do a fan, fantastic job on an apolitical basis, which I think is great. Um, but you can't do it alone. You know, we have to work with you. We we have to help you. You have to help us. And uh, let's 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 get to the space where between us and yourselves, and this 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 being one objective. You know, he tells us another one. This one isn't isn't and can't take twelve years. But let's make sure one plus one equals three, and and we get a better result and a fairer and an equitable result here, and a, and a better city for everyone and all of us who live here. Thank you very much, Marcus, for your kind words and your wisdom. Marina, anything to add? Yes, I think let's use the right to object, utilize it. Don't be apathetic. Stand together as a community and you've got to get your communities together. Um, uh, uh, the decline of municipalities is leading to the ascendance of private bodies, including homeowners associations and bodies like ATA. And I think ATA is an absolutely 100% fantastic organization. I think we need to work together our area, Bedford View. Marcus, I must just tell you, we were the first ones on the CAN platform. Now you can't take that, uh, that credit away. <laughs> we we, so, we yeah. can still be on the podium. <laughs> there you go. And just if you if you, if you you want to look at joining the CAN platform, it's going to be amazing. And it's going to provide something really powerful for all of us to ask the right questions and to keep people accountable. Gosh, I can't. Thank you, Marina. We're certainly um, ready and waiting to help those who are interested to 
uh, mobilize them to activate your community groups in a far more powerful way than perhaps you have done before.